Hello everyone, welcome to Mouth Off. This is the official podcast of heyyouguys.co.uk. My name's John Lias and joining me tonight to talk about all things kick-ass, our chief editor Dave Stipplejack, and we're joined again by the lovely Brendan Connolly from SlashFilm.com. Kick-ass is probably one of the most anticipated films of the year. The film is out next Friday. We've actually had a chance to see it, and uh, this podcast is going to be dedicated to what we thought of it and what we th- the effect we think it's going to have on the rest of the films in 2010. Um, so, first of all, before we, g- we actually go into it, I want to just mention that we are going to try and avoid the major spoilers within the film, um, but I do think that if you really want to go in unspoiled, then, then don't listen to it now. Go and see the film next week, and then come back and, and listen to what we made of it. Um, like I said, we're going to tr- try and avoid major major spoilers but there may be things in here that you may not be expecting so anyway so we're going to get into it now uh, i saw it about three four weeks ago but guys you both saw this together didn't you when we saw it uh it was pro- brendan when was it january sometime we saw it yeah something ago, like that it was one uh, of our first dates wasn't it it was yeah i think avatar was our first date but this this was our second and it was as special as the first um and when we saw it most of the visual stuff was done it wasn't cut together completely but the the main thing that was different was the soundtrack was wrong and we saw it with some dark knight soundtrack on it and they'd put a bit of superman and they put crimson tide on there um so John's seen the final cut with the proper soundtrack and everything, haven't you, John? I have seen it. I have to say, I wasn't paying much, uh, you know, huge attention to it, but um, the the soundtrack suited it absolutely perfectly. So um, <laughs> you mean you weren't paying too much attention to the soundtrack? Though, yeah, no. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there are four composers listed for it. Well, that's it. There is a lot of uh, a lot of the music we were listening to. Dave, um, some of it has made its way through. Apparently, that's it. It was a lot of yeah. Dark Knight, wasn't there? Did they leave any of that in? You know, no, no, no. I think no, I don't no. think there, there was any Dark Knight, but I think there has been. They basically culled a few, um, a, a few, you know, sound bites and maybe some themes from other th- from other places. But um, I didn't notice any Dark Knight or any Crimson Tide, anything that you were talking about. So, um, but as, as as far as you are concerned, it was pretty much a. It was just the soundtrack. Was there was there anything in terms of the the visuals or the editing that you think was was not quite apparently right? in terms of it, uh, you know being a uh, an offline edit that was all completed, but the online and the uh, effects were still to be done. Shall I explain what that means? Yeah, um, the sort of frame in frame out tradition the transitions between cuts were were locked, but things like you know a bit of color balancing and timing and compositing of different elements within each shot were still to be finished. Were any of the sort of uh, visuals or special effects, were, did you notice anything that were a bit, bit ropey or was it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, oh heck yeah. A few of them were, few of them were okay, but some of them were, were subpar. And um, I, I, to be honest, I was sort of a bit worried that that's how they were going to wind up. Mm. Um, I know it was unfinished, but I thought that they looked finished enough that they would end up that way. But um, Not speaking- Speaking to people who've, you know, well, you can vouch for it, can't you, John? That's not actually the case at all. No, no, no. It, it looked complete when I saw it, and um, and I have to say that it's interesting that they they played so many screenings um, 
beforehand because of course there was footage that came out I think it was last year I don't know if it was Comic Con or WonderCon but there was some footage of, of Hit Girl going crazy which got the crowd you know talking about it and uh, the word of mouth campaign has just continued and it's got better and better and better with every new person who's seen it I have yet to find anyone who didn't like it or who didn't think it was um, unless they work for the Daily Mail unless they work for the Daily Mail and uh, I have to say do check the site out heyyouguys.co.uk because we are going to put up a Daily Mail, which has been signed by Jane Goldman. We were lucky enough to speak to her yesterday, and we asked her to sign the top of the Daily Mail, so that was kind of a, a bit of a triumph there. A um, bit of a Dennis Penis moment. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> but I think slightly more sophisticated, so I'm happy with that. Um, but So that's the word of mouth. What expectations did you guys have going in to see it? Had any of you read the comics beforehand? I'd read them, and... Um... Uh, I knew that there were changes coming. I mean, Mark Miller's got loose lips, right? I mean, there's not really a detail that he he could have given away that he didn't give, a, give away. So it was quite easy to track production on this, and there was a lot of talk as we went along, and then people would follow up on what he said with, with Jane and, and Matthew and, and sort of consolidate and, and, and prove it. So I knew a lot of changes were coming. Some of the fine points, obviously, didn't, didn't know. Um, I was expecting it to be perhaps a little less polished than it was because what we should remember is that this is an independent film it's independently financed it's made outside of the the studio in fact hang on it's a british independent film mm, to be celebrated yeah really not many of those um and there's definitely not many in this genre and not um, only that but it's a really good one really really good it's it's done them proud, hasn't it? I mean, it is a British film we can be proud of. Yeah. There's not there's not many many British independent films at all. So I was expecting something, you know, technically a little less um, polished. So I was pleased that for the most part it was very well cut, it was very well shot, the production design was great. Um, you know, so it, it looked like a um, an altogether more bigger budget affair shall we say then. I was going to ask did anyone sort of know what the budget is because it did not look like it was in any way you know worried about the worried about the pennies it looked really, really who are you going to who are you going to believe it's somewhere around the 30 million mark apparently yeah but it looks incredible for that kind of for that kind of money and um, Dave what about you your expectations of it had you heard anything any sort of reports about people who had seen footage or did you yeah me and Brendan couldn't be more different Brendan's very much research and you'll read loads of stuff won't you Brendan before you go and see these sort of films um, I don't professional, I don't, Dave. That's yeah, you're, you're a professional, mate. whereas I'm a film fan. And um, <laughs> <Yeah>. I, <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I to do it. My, if I'm going to go and see a film, I'll pretty much watch trailers. I won't watch any clips because I don't yeah. want them to. So I don't want to know too much about a film. But the one I did watch was the Red Band trailer for Hit Girl, which is basically her uh, swearing her head off and going around shooting people, which is why uh, the Daily Mail of blown up about this whole film Decided so to publicize it yeah exactly yeah and, and it was probably one of the best trailers i think i've ever seen um i mean that when we posted it the hits went mental for it just because it was so out there and crazy um i i didn't really know what to expect but i th- i loved it from start to finish and i can't wait to see it again we'll put it this way because it was it uh, as you say brendan it was a british independent film but it's obviously it's set in america and it's a comic book film now we've had discussions and there have been various posts over the last you know year or so about the fact that british comics as 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 they're known have not had the same treatment as um as their american cousins now um given the fact that this is going to be sold you know, obviously around the world and people are really, really up for it, is the fact that it's a comic book movie set in America, um, but with British sensibilities, one of its strengths, do you think, Brendan? What do you mean, what do you mean by British sensibilities? 
maybe, maybe not British sens- sensibilities, but the fact is that it was a British independent film with you know, British directors and British writers, that it looks so American and it seems so American. Right, right. Would that be... Um, is, is, is that one of its strengths? That, because obviously, uh, Well, it, c- commercially speaking, it can't hurt it. Yeah. I mean, if there's, one th- if there's one thing we know, you can export McDonald's all around the world, but you try an efficient chip shop in the middle of China, see how far you get. Um, I think there's some things that, that travel better, right? Or the land is primed a little bit more for. And I think uh, this film being set in America, that the characters are American, uh, even when the actors aren't. Uh, of course. Um, you know, think about it this way, John, right? If you hear someone talking in an American accent, you pretty much always know what they're saying, no matter what, from where in the States they come from. Sure. You throw some English accents at some Americans and they're scratching their heads, mate. Um, and it's because the cultural flow has largely been in, in one direction. So, yes, it's going the, it's going the slipperier way. It's going the way where, where there's easier transit, right? Sure. Um, it's interesting, though, isn't it? Because Aaron Johnson is charged with playing uh, an American teenager, and he, he was anything but he was an English teenager. Exactly. Um, yeah. And uh, I think he's pretty convincing, actually. Well, let's let's move into into our thoughts about about the edge of film and the casting is a really good place to start. I saw Aaron Johnson in Nowhere Boy before I'd seen him seen him here, and I loved him in in Nowhere Boy. I thought he was a really really strong presence, and he obviously when he was playing John Lennon, there was a certain cockiness to him, and you know he was playing someone who was wise beyond their years. Whereas if you look at uh, his role in Kick-Ass is very much a case of his... He is very much a teenager, and he's very unsure, he's very uncertain about where he wants to go until he gets this this idea of why don't normal people just become just become sort of superheroes and, and, and try it out. And it was a really, really good performance. I mean, I, I actually enjoyed um, you know his interactions a lot. I thought he brought a lot to it. But to be honest with you, he was doing something that I think a lot of, a lot of kids or a lot of people around his age would just love to do but have never really, you know, ever thought about it as a, as a possibility. What did you guys think of, of him as a lead in this? I think this is the first thing I'd ever seen him in. And it wasn't until someone, I think it was Helen from Love Film, actually said to me, yeah, it's the same guy in Nowhere Boy, and I couldn't believe it. Um, I don't know if that was makeup. I haven't actually seen Nowhere Boy, though. I've seen trailers for it. Haircut. Uh, yeah, the haircut. He's just pretty much a haircut. The haircut so. at me. <laughs> um, but he was great in it, wasn't he? It, you know, I didn't know he was an American either until I came out of the cinema and looked him up. Well, there you go. Yeah, He's no, obviously what? doing something right. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you think, Brendan? I think he does a fine job. I mean, you know, I'm not about to give him an award for it or anything, but I, did, I think he does a fine job. I don't think Dave on the big screen is quite as interesting as he could have been. You're talking about me now? Or? Yeah, I am. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> but I'll tell you why I think think this might be. Um, I think because they've been talking about it for this long, they're looking for somewhere to push it, somewhere to expand it. Um, and I think they're thinking sequel potential. And I think, actually, one of the more subtle ways in which that's woven into the film, and it's woven into the film in some very overt ways, and it definitely ends on something that says part two. Um, one of the ways there is to leave Dave somewhere to go and to, to take his character somewhere else. And, and I think if they followed some of the hints in the comic book to their logical conclusion, they might have cornered themselves on what. Okay. Well, that sounds interesting, but let's, let's move um, away from Aaron Johnson, even though he does do a, you know, a really good performance. There are other performances, other characters within Kick-Ass that, that really do stand out. Um, and one of them for me was the infamous pairing of, of Hit Girl and, and Big Daddy. Now, a lot of the, 
Um, focus will will of course fall upon um, you know Hit Girl being I think she was eleven or thirteen I can't quite remember which ones which I know that the actress was I think was was some sort of odd number anyway yeah absolutely but the fact is that she's um, she's asked to do um, some pretty uh, in my in my opinion fantastic things I, I couldn't get enough of it. I thought it was just hilarious um, uh, and and you know very very funny and, and quite shocking as well to see this well, this young girl. What's um, funny about what's funny about her chopping people up then? It's I, I tell you no, it's it's not that bit. It's the sort of um, it's just the way that she does it with uh, a with such panache, um, but also with uh, when they mix it with the big daddy um, relationship. Obviously, her father. Um, they have this really skewed relationship where they're every single conversation is instead of the you know her wanting like a pony for for her birthday she wants like a flick knife or something it's just a, re- a, a really nice subtle twist that i think is you know is played completely deadpan by these characters and i think that that makes um for an interesting character i, th- I particularly think it's um uh, it is gratuitous i think obviously because you know there, there's a lot of that in there but i think it works really well and i think a lot of people will um be shocked by it, but I think a lot of people will enjoy it as well. What do, there's what do definitely some level on which it's just titillating, isn't there? Hello, I think there's definitely some that? level in which um, her swearing like this is just a cheap thrill. I really do think so. I'm just glad that's not all there is to it. But I, I put, put it this way, uh, there, because a lot of the word of mouth was was focusing on the fact that she did you know, swear a lot and she did go absolutely crazy, the fact is that there, that there was more to her and there was more to that relationship and there was more to her character than just being able to do that. And But it's, it's interesting, it's not these, these finer points that, that we're talking about our appreciation for, it's not these finer points that they're selling it on. No, but, it, but that's your first instinct, I think, and that's because the, the way she's introduced and the way that her character comes in and the actions that she carries out initially, they're designed to, to shock you, to sort of to put the juxtaposition of these very violent acts within the hands of this girl that is instantly pushing her out and saying this is this is really shocking but then if it didn't have anything to follow it up with then yeah i believe it would be unfunny it would be gratuitous but but there is that um i do agree that on on some level it is um it is there because it will shock people but that's not a problem for me dave what did you think about about those two um yeah i it's an 18, so you go in knowing it's going to be violent. I think it's a 15. Surely not. I think it's a 15. I could be wrong. Anyone care to fire up the Yeah, I'm on internet? it. I'm on that. Uh, well, okay. If it's a 15... Yeah, you're right. It is 15, 15. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, no, that's... Hang shocking. on a minute, because I'm actually going to get the... Uh, well, the BBFC BBFC. Says 15. I'm on we'll it now. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if, if that's a, a, a huge surprise. First of all, they would have been going for it because they, they'd want to get 15-year-olds in to see it. Um, I don't know the American ratings that well. I'm not sure what it would I be. I thought if there. it had the C word in it, you had to be an 18. Is that no. complete rubbish? No, that's, 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 that's just not true. Um, they say it contains one use of very strong language. And that's that one, yeah. The word is what? spoken by a young girl. Uh, who has become a makeshift superhero, though some <laughs> people may be offended by the child using this type of language. The predominant effect is comic. 
The young girl in question possesses incredible strength and agility and manages to dispatch a large group of adult male villains immediately after making the remark to them. There you go, perfect. The remark is delivered in a throwaway fashion rather aggressively directed and the unexpected incongruity of the youth provides a comic justification for its inclusion. So basically what they're saying is because she can swear as long as she likes as long as she can follow it up with some real kick-ass violence and, you know, claiming. It's swearing on its own isn't funny. Swearing and dismemberment's hysterical. Especially if it's done by a little girl because there's a comic effect to it and no, I get it I mean that's uh, that's the BBFC for you but anyway sorry Dave we, we cut into you there what did you think of, of, of Hit Girl let's focus on her for a time being uh, that's what, she was awesome I mean the character her name's Chloe Moretz isn't it I think yeah uh, she was ab- absolutely fantastic um, wherever they dug her up from um, they couldn't have found a better a better actress and we've got to thank her parents probably for letting her do it as well because I doubt there's many parents out there that would want to I mean would you let your your daughter do this John if you had uh, I don't have a daughter, but... Um, you have a little boy. I have a little boy. Um, he'd love to do it, I'm sure. You know, that would be great. But um, personally, I, I, I remember reading somewhere that, that obviously there were huge discussions had, um, but, you know, kids uh, would never... I don't think she would take it very seriously because, you know, like Brendan and the BBFC said, it's, you know, the tone is comic, and um, I think if it was if it was like a kitchen sink drama where she was using that language, I think that, that there'd be a problem. But... Um, you know, it, it wasn't a problem for me. Was it a problem for you? Any of the stuff she was doing? No, because I think I'd seen all the trailers and I knew exactly what I was, what I was going to get. I am very surprised as a 15, though. I thought it would be an 18. Um, but I thought that the relationship between Nicolas Cage and her was fantastic because he loved her more than anything in the world, um, just like any parent does with their ch- their child. Um, but he just wanted her to be as protected as she possibly could be. So what he does is he teaches her, um, you know, all these martial arts and uh, how to defend herself, and which she becomes an elite at and, and effectively becomes a superhero. See, the, the crux is that moment where we understand why he sees the world this way. Yeah, absolutely. That's the crux. That's the pin it hangs on. If that doesn't happen, and he's just constructed to think this way, and there's no, there's no relatable reason for it, the film wouldn't make sense. Otherwise, he's just a maniac, you know. Yeah, basically. But but we can we can understand that there is a reason that he sees the world this way. If we can't if we can't completely you know sympathise, we can at least empathise. If you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys, sorry, John. No, you go for it. I was just going to say, don't you think it's fantastic that, I mean, Nicolas Cage has made some proper rubbish recently, but don't you think it's brilliant? He, he was brilliant in this film, because his, his humour, he was just so dry in it, and it came across perfectly. Adam West. It was. really, really was Adam West, wasn't it? But that, I mean, that, that was a nod, wasn't it, in, in every single way, but I think he played it, played it perfectly, because there were some people that just didn't get that. They just thought that was, he was either aping Adam West, or he was aping, you know, Christian Bale's Batman when he was, when he was talking, and it was he was hilarious because well, of you course, know with reason that's the thing exactly exactly as you say that that is the point because if 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 it all um just plays out like a like a very bad comic book then of course no one would would care about it and no i would see it and you'd have this quite odd reaction to it but but there is so much in the same way that you can understand um you know like a, a an awkward teenager um trying to find his place in the world in the case of aaron johnson um he was able to then try something out you know literally wear a mask and, and and become somebody different of course which teenager doesn't you know dabble with that at, at one point or another not the violence or or anything but what, putting on masks <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely no but Brendan, you know what what's I mean? he talking about <laughs> surely surely you Keep must away from me David. no 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 okay let me just clarify exactly what i mean uh the notion of of an awkward teenager looking for an identity—that's exactly what this this film is about in terms of uh, Aaron Johnson and Kickass. So, if these ideas are not 
implicit in everything that the film does, then then you're right, it doesn't fall apart. But away from my from my odd thoughts, let's get, let's turn it back. Nicholas Cage, Brendan, did you enjoy him in this? Yeah, I love him anyway. I mean, I think I think he gets beaten a lot. I think he's great in rubbish. Um, did you enjoy him in, enjoyed... in Knowing and things like that? Yeah, I did. I actually enjoyed that film a fair degree. Oh, yeah, I like Knowing. I thought that was a good one. That was one of the best in the last couple of years. Nicholas Cage films, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nicholas yeah. Cage. Best films in the last couple of years. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Um, I like him, you know. I think there's a few performances in which the film would be markedly different had it not been him. I think Raising Arizona would be very different. I think Vampire's Kiss would be pretty much inconceivable without him. Wild at Heart, and I think this is probably the fourth one on that list where it's Con like Air and The Rock. You could have replaced him with just about anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Savile in Connor. I'd pay to see that. That would be good. Um, <laughs> Look him up if you're in America. You know it. Actually, don't don't bother. Please don't look him <laughs> up. Um, yeah, he he and 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 Chloe Moretz, I think did did a really good job. Um, did a really really good job of that. Let's move on to some of the other characters we've got. Um, Red, Red Mist. Mist. Let's Red... talk Red Mist. Christopher okay. Mintz Pats is flipping wicked because he just he's just what's his name? I've forgotten. Um, what do they call him? His nickname. Uh, what, are you thinking of McLovin? Yeah, McLovin. He's just McLovin in everything he does. It's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> Do you think that he fitted quite well in terms of what he had to do? And obviously, we're not going to spoil anything. But do you think that he, you know, played a convincing character here? Yeah, and I liked his costume the best out of all of them. <laughs> I thought if I was a superhero, I want to look like Red Mist. You just like the car as well, don't you? Don't and you? I like the car, yeah, as well. Of course, you did. Okay, driving well, he... down the road, going, yeah, we're superheroes. <laughs> There must be some part of you that this is wish fulfilment for. I can really tell. Do you know what? I think that's one of the big selling points for this film. I sure. really do. I think there's going to be a lot of people who feel that way. And, I, you know, here I am being the grumpy old man. That's not the case for me. So can I just say for people who think that's all it is, that's not all it is. Right? If you're if you're a 43-year-old woman, apparently falls outside of the, uh, of the demographic in some, you know, massive way, don't worry, this film isn't just about teenage wish fulfillment. Okay, but uh, let's, let's delve into that, because we, we can talk about some of the other characters as, as we kind of go into this. This could be seen um, as a very narrow film with a very narrow audience, um, appealing to people who are, are out for gratuitous violence or just looking for a, a, another comic book movie with a slight twist in the sense that it's you know it's like a group of kids and they're doing it for real and it will appeal to those people and they will get what they want okay and that's fine but we will know that anyway so what is it about this film in your opinion do you think would uh, be of interest to the wider audience a bit of self-awareness about how the genre works mm-hmm. um, a bit of self-awareness about how we relate to it and what we think we want from it so it's almost appealing to the audience and commenting on that audience isn't it just there's, i mean they're normal people aren't they they're they're literally to a large they, degree yeah i mean you and of, me sat at home thinking the world is a bit of a crappy place at the moment let's go out versions of you and me do you know what i mean that's yeah um but it does it sits alongside something more like it's more in a lot of ways it's like something like i don't know clueless or something it's sort of like slightly stylized but relatable version of a teenager hmm. Um, but but I, I think that there's an awful lot to be understood when you when you start understanding, as I said, w- w- with Big Daddy, what his real motivations are, and it shows us that you know there's a there's a, a world we've a world full of violence we're looking at in this in this film. But there's a reason people 
perceive the world to be full of violence. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why people think the world operates uh, in terms of violence. And, and the film actually sort of like lo- looks at that a little bit, really. But do you think that that could be lost? I mean, it, it will depend on what you're going into it for, but we're not going to spoil it. But right at the end, uh, when there is an enormous face-off, there is a sense that it gets more and more ridiculous with uh, when they find out what's it, or when we as the audience find out what's in the crate and and how everything happens at the end. It, it almost uh, yeah. switched to real. I did ask both Matthew Vaughan and Jane Goldman the same question yesterday, and the question was this: Is Kickass our world with people who want to be superheroes in it, or is it a superhero world without superpowers? And they actually gave different answers to one another. What, 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 what do you guys think of that? Okay, um, in my opinion, it's stylized violence in the sense of it's stuff that you've seen in uh, a movie before. But I think that because there is there is this this sense that there are you know the, the main characters are all real people. I think that 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 is, really is that not it. true in something like to an extent Spider Man Two or Iron Man or something? Um, I mean, they're not supposed to be grounded people. Do people not say this? Is this not what people cherish about that Nolan thing? Maybe, but I have to say that that when 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 you go into it, when you go into Kick Ass, if you've heard anything about it, or if you know anything about it, then you know because of the trailers. Then it is about a normal teenage kid who is going into this world, who is trying something different, and the point about it is. He was saying, why has no one ever decided to do this? They're in a comic book store. So the notion of all of these other comics, you know, other comic book properties is set up within this store. So um, they, they will all read, you know, Iron Man. They will all read, you know, the, uh, the Batman um, or Spider-Man comics. So they, they are comic fans. I think that it, that it sets it up in, in this world and they are the special people within it as opposed to, if it was a superhero world that we know with, with real superheroes, then they would be the ones coming in and, and destroying. Well, well, no, because if you, I mean, would you agree with me that Spider-Man is set in a superhero world? Would you agree with me that Superman is set in a superhero world? Because they're the first guys in their stories too. Uh, f- fair enough. But Superman, yes, I think is um, Spider-Man. Yeah, you may have a point there. But to be honest with you, the, the way that this gets set up is very much that this is, um, especially with the very first scene, um, it is set up to be that people have tried it before and it's always ended badly. So we kind of know that this isn't a world that understands superheroes because if, if I mean, this is a very, very vague spoiler, but you'll probably have seen it already in the trailer. You have this guy who's made himself like a metal wing suit and he jumps off of a building only to crash hideously into... Um, into a car below the fact is that when he's falling everyone's clapping and thinking this is just fantastic and then of course he he crashes and it's a hideously sickening moment but and that's very that much the first something... trailer i saw i remember that was that was the first thing i saw of kick-ass exactly yeah yeah and, th- and that's very much something that hasn't happened in our world yes but that that sets it up in the sense that, that hasn't happened in in their world as well that this is the first time that someone's tried it out because people are excited and also quite shocked when it all goes hideously wrong I think that the last act of the film pretty much says the rules of their, this world are not actually the same as the rules of the world we're talking in at the moment. Now, you can't go into specifics there, can you? I can't, no, but I do think it operates differently. So whether you want to call that a superhero world or not, and whether this is just the origin of the fir- do you see what I mean? Sure, yeah. Uh, you can call it what you want but I don't think it's our world. What about when, if, when the film starts? And, 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 and I mean, it's different because you, re- you read the comics, but did you think that they were setting it in our world to begin with and then that changed with the 
You know, I mean, you know, do you know what we're not meant to do? We're not meant to sort of think of like parallel universe. I mean, it sounds like we're sounding having some geeky conversation that that sort of acknowledges the existence of parallel universes. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is that in terms of the way that the diegesis is created, it doesn't follow the rules of reality. And I think that's the underlying point I'm trying to make. It doesn't it doesn't in terms of the physics of their world. It doesn't in terms of you know, the limits of people's physical ability. And I don't think it quite does in terms of people's psychology, but it's close enough to comment on and be relevant to and mean something uh, to us. Okay. Uh, you know, we do live in the real world. Okay. Well, some of us do. <laughs> Sometimes. I'd be interested to know who, who gave the answer that it was set in a real world and who gave the answer that it was a superhero world. Um, uh, Matthew said it, it's one that transforms into the other and, right. and and Jane pretty much said that she was intending it to be kind of like more of a real world really okay um i, I yeah sort of i mean i've i've not done them justice there okay sure i mean let's let's talk about them for a second because they teamed up um last time we we saw the team for Jane Goldman and, and Matthew Vaughan for Stardust um obviously yeah adaptation from from neil gaiman's um novel how do you think they handled this uh, i believe they were quite involved with the with the inception of of kick-ass and they talked about it through its development um and its publication always intending to make a film of it do you think that they did a, a good job of it brendan having read the the books yeah i think overall i think it's a it's a more pleasant experience than the than the than the comic um, I think I, I like them actually. I like them. I wasn't really a fan of of Layer Cake. I think Stardust was significantly better, and I think this is better again. And it's very exciting to see a filmmaker who's delivering something better each time. I think Especially Stardust a is British a British one. Well, you know, I, you know, they could come from Uruguay, whatever. But um, I like, I like, I like that they're on on the up, right? Um, both of them are on the up. They've actually collaborated on another screenplay in the middle for a film called The Debt, which John Madden has now directed because Matthew was going to make it, but he decided to do Kick-Ass instead. Yeah. But it looks like they've come to the end of the line on collaborations for a little while, actually. It looks like they're going separate ways for their next couple of projects. Um, but I think, I think she's... Uh, a very capable writer. Um, he obviously can can sniff out a good good bit of structure and lay some some plot beats down in down in order. In fact, they both can. Um, and I, you know, I'm I'm wanting them to get back together and keep working together because I'm wondering what they're going to be like without one another. Sure, absolutely. Dave, you have you seen Layer Cake or Stardust? Did you enjoy their last films? I saw Layer Cake, but it was when it came out of the cinema, so I haven't seen it since. And um... I've got Stardust recorded actually to watch, um, but I would uh, I would be interested. There's no to... point. It's on Channel Four every Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, well, that's when I that's when I recorded it from from last time. Um, I actually really enjoyed Stardust. I, I hadn't read the Neil Gaiman um, novel, but I really really enjoyed what they did with it and um, you know the world they created there and the characters that you know that they that they managed to put into inhabit them. I it's, had... it's a better story than Kick Ass, but I don't think it's ultimately a better film. Uh, I, I don't. Oh, sorry, the Stardust. I'm thinking of Layer Cake. And okay, I, I haven't seen Layer Cake. Over, so, yeah. um, I'd prefer Kick-Ass over Layer Cake. Okay. Anybody would, anyone would. I think. <laughs> what do you expect the reaction to be when this film comes out? Dave? I think ev- everyone's going to focus on the, the whatever the Daily Mail write about it, and it will be slating it and saying how bad it is, right? But 
they're not going to care. The, the, the reason we asked Jane Goldman yesterday to sign a Daily Mail is because they, they've been expecting exactly what they're going to say for ages. And really, at the end of the day, it's all free publicity for them. They're going to love it. Um, and it's going to make people go and watch it because of what they say. Um, and so we're saying it's brilliant because it is. The Daily Mail will say it's really bad and, and everyone will go and watch it because of that fact. Um, so I think the hype's going to go through the roof. Is it offensive? Dave. No, not to were anyone specific. Brendan, were you offended? No, but I do think it's offensive, and I mean that in the best possible sense. I think who, there are some people too? who are going to be offended by this. There are people who will be offended by, uh, effectively, um, Cloverettes being asked to do these things. The fact that they're not faked. The fact that she must, in some way, understand at her age that she's dealing death. And, and that, that it's, she's a character that's supposed to consider the extinction of someone's life as, as quite normal, right? Um, but with a, with a purpose, and, though, it's like you said earlier, this is not just random wanton violence, do you know what I mean? No, but, but it works in a funny way, doesn't it? Because we interpret the film... I mean, it's like, think about it this way. When we go see a John Woo film and everybody gets shot and they all fall over... Pretty much all of the moral repercussions of those killings are completely removed. Yeah. Okay. Because um, these fights are metaphorical, really. They're ways of visualising and staging conflict between between characters, and all these ancillary characters are just uh, ways of dramatising the conflict between the, the leads or whatever. And I suppose there's a way in which that's true of, of Kick-Ass. It's not, it's not literally about people chopping each other up. Do you know what I mean? That's not what the themes are. You would not say the themes of this film are, are slicing off a man's hand with a samurai sword. Yeah. Um, but that's the actuality, and there is there is a, a very real possibility that Miss Moretz would be confused. Um, so people would be offended by her being put in that position. Now, I think I, I, I'm not, and I'm not worried. Um, I think she's resilient and she's smart, not because she's a particular person, but because she's she's a kid, and they are, as a rule of thumb. Sure. They're, they're not fragile. If you drop them, as Terry Gilliam said, they do not break. They tend to bounce. <laughs> Um, uh, so I'm not, I'm not worried, I'm not offended, but I think people will be. I think there are other people who will be offended just because it's got, got the C word in it, sure. which I, I almost want to say, because why not, right? Well, I mean, really, come on. And people who, are, uh, who will be offended because it combines young people and, and violence in a way that they, they would see as an entertainment, and this cannot be entertaining. Um, and I think those people probably deserve to be offended because they've set some standards that just just don't make sense. And if they if they want to carry the mechanism of offence around with them like that, then be my guest. But they're just setting themselves up to be offended. This film um, will challenge these, um, you know, the, the barriers that the, that they walled themselves in with. Them. By, by point with exactly. exactly, yeah. And I, I think that um, I don't think it's a particularly offensive film. I think it's a, it's it's a fun film with you know things we haven't seen before. But and I and when I was watching, it, I was thinking back to The Exorcist, where you have Linda Blair. I have no idea what age she was when she was doing that, but. Um, you know the uh, the atmosphere, the tone, the the, the actions that that she was put through. Um, they did have an effect on her. I, I mean, I've, I've I've seen in in sort of various interviews with her, but not well, to the extent. So. Well, no, exactly, and it, it makes for a good story, and especially with with hindsight of not having the the sort of stellar career that maybe you would have wanted. Um, do you know what I mean? So this is just maybe something to talk about, and that's from an adult's perspective. Um, but to be honest with you, let's. You know, those, those those people aside, people who will be offended um, aside, uh, Dave, what do you think the reaction is going to be um, to the average man on the street? Uh, I think they'll 
I think they'll be going to see it because the average man on the street uses the words that they say in those films anyway. They don't go around killing people um, for obvious reasons, but um, in a film like that, you can lose you can lose yourself and you can just sit back and enjoy it. Um, I think you know. I don't know what the demographic is that they're aiming at. As it's probably, uh, it's well, it's fifteen up, I guess, between fifteen and forty, maybe. Um, people people can like just go and... people like Dave and his mates. Exactly. Frankly. Yeah. Me and my mates. Yeah, not, not 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 you, Dave. Well, actually, yes, you and your mates as well. Well, but... yeah, actually, yeah, you and your mates and Dave and his mates. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I I when when I came out of the film, I was thinking to myself, they. They, it, it was a great film, and you know I'd encourage everyone to go and see it because I think it's a, it's really interesting in terms of you know um, what it does with with the superhero superhero genre. Um, I was a bit worried that it, it would have an effect, uh, an adverse effect, um, and I don't know if you guys agree with it. And I'm not sure even if I agree with it. But when I came out, of it, I was thinking to myself, when the day to day came out, which is a BBC comedy program of the early nineties, when that came out and it basically spoofed TV news. Um, it became impossible to watch, um, you know, the the real TV news, the news that it that it was spoofing. Do you think that this will have a, a similar effect on comic book movies that come after it? Well, I thought Heather's was going to kill the teen film Stone Dead. When I saw Heather's, I thought that was it. That's the final word. It was almost like somebody dropped a massive tombstone down on anyone who'd ever been in a John Hughes film. Sure, they were all squashed like little bugs. But it didn't, um, and and there have been valid and interesting teen films since, and some classics. I mean, I love Rushmore. Mm. Um, you know, I, I like the, the aforementioned Clueless a great deal. I've seen any number of films actually set in high school since, which I think are great. It doesn't detract from Heather's. It doesn't detract from the fact that it actually seems to be the perfect storm of a certain sort of teen subgenre. Sure. And I think I think with Kick-Ass, it's not going to kill superhero films, but it's going to shine a light, and it's going to stand. And I don't think it's as good as Heather's, and I don't think it's as, almost as definitive of the genre in a way that Heather's is, but it does raise debate about these things, but it will continue to be appropriate. As long as people are dressing up in costumes, as long as there's this notion that uh, we fight quite literally with our fists for justice, as long as there's some sort of idea of good is and bad is and it can be played out with bullets and swords, Kick-Ass will have some relevance. Sure, Dave, what do you think about the effect that Kick-Ass will have? I thought it was a refreshing change to the, the superhero movies that we seem to get either remade or um, comics that we I've never even heard of are getting made, and they've you know they've got this small fan base. But um, I, I just well, that's that's Kickass, by the way. I mean, that was a comic book getting adapted that had a small fan base. I know it was, it was, it was, um, but it was a a, a nod and a, um, uh, and and taking the Mickey out of other you know comic book heroes as well, uh, and it did it really well. I thought. I'm thinking in particular of the of the upcoming um, Spider-Man reboot because, of course, the the they're going to put Peter Parker back in high school, much like Aaron Johnson's character was um, in in high school. And I'm not sure when that film's coming out, but I wonder if that will be ever so slightly different. I wonder if if the you know Sony are now looking at it. Um, 
differently having seen Kick-Ass. I'm not, I'm, and, uh, and I'm honestly not sure if the effect will it just be, it'll be, you know, it's a great film and people will think about it, but it'll be, it won't be a, a serious comic book film. No, the, the effect is probably going to be localised, but, but amongst the comic book fanboy community, it's not like Kick-Ass is a minor quake, it's a major quake, right? We're off the chart with this one, everyone's paying attention to it. Now, this Spider-Man film is being pretty closely based on Brian Bendis' Ultimate Comics. I think Sony are probably quite happy to stick to that. Now, Mark Webb, the director of the Spider-Man film, on the other hand, he's probably got some idea that he's got to tread a line where, yes, he's dealing with a post-kick-ass audience. Now, this audience hasn't been turned around and revolutionised by this film, but they will have seen it and they will be aware of it. Um, so if he sort of walks specifically into any of the cliches that kick-ass takes head on or if he echoes the film too closely it's not going to do him any favors interestingly you know he cast uh, chloe moretz in his first film 500 days of summer she plays a girl wise beyond her years in that too did she say the c word in that she doesn't i wish she did it's a shame, isn't it, really? <laughs> we mentioned mark strong um as the baddie i think we have to mention mark strong dave you go for it well, I just thought he was brilliant in it. He plays an American as well, um, but uh, Mark Strong seems to be popping up in everything at the moment. Um, but I think that's just because he's great. He seems to be able to play anybody. Uh, he's really diverse. Um, he does you... tend to play the villain, though, doesn't he? In the yeah, he does. But you want to like him. I don't know why. He just you don't. I just want to like him. Yeah, uh, he, he was a great baddie. He was perfect baddie. He was, and um, I have to say, every time he came on came on screen, I, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, to be honest with you, he was playing. Um, you know, uh, what could have been a fairly cliched character, but he just brought a lot to it, and it was very By far and away the most simplistic of the lead roles. Yeah, absolutely, but I think... With with the possible exception of Katie Domer. Do you not think he did it well, though? Yeah, he's brilliant. (laughs) I think we're all in agreement. (laughs) That's all right, then. I was just checking. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, no matter what Mark Strong does, what was on paper was on paper. Sure, Absolutely. Um, so final closing thoughts um, and uh, let's turn out our eyes to the future in terms of a sequel first of all guys let me ask you what you thought of Kick-Ass in, in a brief sentence and do you think there's going to be a sequel Brendan you go for this first well there's definitely going to be a sequel because it's going to turn over enough cash and they all want a sequel um, I think I wish we talked about gender issues in the film a little more because they're very interesting. He's not called Big Daddy for nothing. She's not called Hit Girl for nothing. Um, and also some of the way that the storyline's been shifted from the comic book shines a different light on that. So at least people have a little think about about that, particularly those of you who've read the comic and you know the way that Dave and Katie's relationship plays out there. Look for the subtle differences um, and non-so-subtle differences in the in the movie and pay attention to that. I think it's good. Uh, I don't think it's it's the most entertaining film for five years or, or any of these other things I've been reading on people's Twitter feeds. But it is good. It's wholeheartedly recommended. You should go. If you only go to the cinema to see maybe seven or eight films this year, I think it's one of them. Dave, sum it up for me. Yeah, well, Brendan said most of, most of the things I was thinking. It, it's it's one of, it's probably one of the best films I've seen this year. I know we're only three months in, um, but I still enjoyed it. I can't wait to see it again. I think I'm going next week. Um, It'd be good to see it in its finished form as well and see how it's progressed from when we saw it a few months ago. Um, but you'll, you'll, you'll all love it. Some of you may have problems with it. If you do, just whack, tell us what they are in the comments on the website. Yeah, I want to know. know. Um, want to know. Yeah, we want to know. We want a discussion to find out you know, if you didn't like something, then, then why you didn't like it. Um, but that's fine to not like it. You know, we want to chat about it. Brilliant. Absolutely. And I think that um, for me, when I saw it, I think I was riding high on a 
wave of expectation and it pretty much lived up to it. It's not going to be, um, you know, the game changer to use that hideous phrase that Avatar seems to have kicked into our lexicon. But I do think that uh, it's an incredibly enjoyable film. It's, the visual style of it is just fantastic. There are a few surprises in terms of um, of the visuals that, that will jump out at you, which I'm not going to spoil for you right now. Um, but I had a really, really good time with it. And I think that everyone played their played their characters perfectly um, in terms of a sequel. I agree with Brendan. I'm sure there will be one. I hope they're able to maintain that momentum. So those were our thoughts on Kick-Ass. Um, gentlemen, before we, uh, we close this podcast up, we're going to try something different. We're going to try uh, a new section, which hopefully will be will be um, one that we carry on. Um, Brendan, you had the idea for this. Can you just give me a very brief description of what you think um, we're about to do now? Well, when we was talking about nostalgia, I was saying, uh, I was making a point that kind of got a little bit lost in the jumble. And I was saying that there are probably loads of films from the past that I don't know about because people keep on about the same ones, right? I don't know how many films were made in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, but uh, Dance Like More than we get played on television all the time and are easily available on DVD. So there are films we've all not heard of or each not heard of that we would probably appreciate seeing. So I thought what we'd do is we'd all think of a film that we know and love that probably other people will have overlooked and we'll recommend it and we'll point them towards it. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to go first, if that's all right. Um, I'm so excited to hear. I want to go last because I want to hear. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just scared because I know Brendan's going to laugh. No, no, because no, the, the, the whole point of this is that this, this is a film that's, um, that, that you've discovered and that you've really enjoyed, and, and it's the kind of film that not everyone will have seen. So it doesn't have to be a masterpiece, but it has to be one that you enjoyed. The one that I'm going to talk about um, is a 1976 film directed by Robert Moore, um, based on a script by Neil Simon. It is a whodunit. I guess is is uh, a very plain way of uh, of saying it. Features uh, characters based on um, famous detectives. It's all set in in one enormous house, and it's called Murder by Death. Uh, have any of you guys seen this? Yeah, no. Brendan, you've seen it. I've seen Murder by Death and I've enjoyed Murder by Death. I'm a big Neil Simon fan. Oh, excellent. Well, I'm very pleased to hear it. This is one of the films that I um, I was introduced to uh, quite late on. I think I saw it when I was about uh, 20, but um, because I had recently seen a similar film called Clue, that was a film that, that I enjoyed very, very much from uh, from when I was a kid. With you Jim only Curry. get one here, John. You only okay. get one. Okay, but, right, in that case, Murder by Death. This is, um, let me reel off a, 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 a few of the names. Alec Guinness is in it. Um, David Niven's in it. Peter Sellers is in it. Maggie Smith is in it. Um, there's a very young James Cromwell um, as uh, as one of the as one of the characters. Peter Falk's in it. Eileen Brennan is also in it. She's a link from uh, from the film Clue. And Truman Capote is in it, and he is just fantastic. Truman Capote plays um, a, a chap called Lionel Twain, who owns this house. He then brings all of these famous detectives and presents them with uh, a murder mystery, and it's up to them to basically um, to basically solve it. Um, it's incredibly hilarious it's really really self-referential and and you know it's basically you know huge huge parodies but it's done with real charm um a really really fantastic script david niven and maggie smith together on screen it's just it, it will make you laugh so much um brendan you've seen this are you, are you a fan of this one yeah i am yeah i quite like the genre actually um it's not just it's not just murder murder by death and, and, and clue we've also got things like the list of adrian messenger and and um <laughs> And so on. I, I quite like these sort of, um, sort of slightly meta murder mysteries. It's a, it's a spoof, I think, is 
a, probably a, a good way of doing it, but it, it does play around with the genre an awful lot. But it is just so engaging, and it is also, crucially, it's really, really silly, which is something that, that I think... <laughs> it's um, really silly. It's really, really silly, and, and it has a brilliant, brilliant ending, and I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, there are some fantastic scenes and, and, and quotes and, and jokes, so do do check it out. I'm sure it do must you, be... Do you remember the, the, the paintings in it, the caricatures that we see under the, the credits? Um, yes, I do remember those. They were done by Charles Adams, who, of course, is in the uh, the news this week because Tim Burton looks like he's probably, despite what MTV say, probably going to do a stop motion Adams family film. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, that's interesting. Well, you that, need to that... read our site more. No, I, I knew that, but I didn't know the people involved. But yes, I oh, do right. need to read I'll allow that. Um, <laughs> nice save, John. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. I want to hear what uh, our friend yeah, Mr. Stiplack's going to say. Oh, you go All for right. it, Dave. What's my your one? one is called Moving. Now, I know John has seen this, and John has seen it because I recommended it to him. Um, it star- Have you seen it, Brendan, or ever- even ever heard of it? Is Hello? it the Richard Pryor film? Yeah, that one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I have, I have okay. a long time, like yeah. late 80s, something like that. It was made in 1988. It's called Moving. It stars Richard Pryor, and it's also got Beverly Todd in it and Stacey Dash, who I think was in Clueless, actually. Who's Beverly Todd? Can you remind me? She is the wife. She was in the bucket list and various other bits, wife and moving. But the basic premise of the movie is that this guy called Arlo Pear, uh, he gets a new job in a place called Boise, Idaho, which is where the potato comes from in America. Um, and it's all about him moving house. It's a comedy, obviously, because he's got Richard Pryor in it. And um, it's really silly. It's probably bordering on slapstick. Um, it's I, I saw it, me and my sister used to watch it when we were growing up. Um, and I don't think I've ever met anyone else other than Brendan now who'd ever even heard of it before I mentioned it to them before. Um, I don't think you can get it on DVD. I had it. It was on. Must have been on TV or something when I first saw it. Um, it's uh, it's it's also got Randy Quaid in it, and um, a guy called John Wesley as well. Um, and he, uh, Randy Quaid, plays the neighbour who's just a complete nightmare. He's got these gigantic lawnmowers, and um, it sounds a bit like John's film where it's just completely silly. But it's just uh, if you like Richard Pryor. Um, and things like uh, Hear No Evil, See No Evil and um, Brewster's Millions you'll probably like this one just as much but you're going to struggle to find it I think the copy I've got, I have got it on DVD but it's, I think I bought it on eBay and it's probably not a legitimate copy um, but um, I, I think bought Dave it about... Thomas from Saturday Night Live is in there as well actually that's another little thing People might, they might know Dave Thomas it is a good, I mean I have to say I, I had never heard of it until um, Dave, you you lent me your copy, um, but of course we had one of our first conversations was about Bruce's Millions, wasn't it? I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, can't, I don't know how that got into the conversation, but you know, I was a really big fan of that, and then um, I eventually saw this and and really enjoyed it as well. But it's a good call because not many people have seen it, and if you do like Richard Pryor, especially in the in the eighties, then um, you know this is a bit of a treat for you. So, all right, cool. Thanks for that, Brendan. Educate us in films we haven't seen. I've chosen a film called Blood Car, or Blood Car. <laughs> and it's an American independent film from about two, three years ago. And it's properly independent, like okay. really independent. Um, it ended up costing about $15,000. What they spend it on, I have no idea. <laughs> Blood Car is wonderful. It's directed by a guy called Alex Orr, and it kind of follows the format of Bucket of Blood. Bucket of Blood was the Coleman film with Dick Miller as the artist who found out that. 
he was becoming successful with his artworks that were built around dead people, really. So he kept killing people to be successful as an artist. And in Blood Card, the story works like this. Little vegan Archie uh, lives in a future where gas prices are so expensive, no one drives anymore. In fact, only the very, very rich drive. Uh, the government drive. We see government agents driving in the film, but nobody else can afford to drive. And if you've got a car, it's a real status symbol. And um, he's trying to make uh, an engine that will run on wheatgrass. Um, and he's trying to chat up the, the girl who sells the wheatgrass, and she's played by Anna Klumsky, who um, you might remember from My Girl, and yeah. who sort of resurfaced in In The Loop. And to say that she's in Blood Car and In The Loop within, like, two years, this girl's got some... I mean, she's properly got a political agenda. She's properly must be choosing her films on in terms of, like, what they're about. Yeah. Um, so uh, this vegan guy's mucking about, and he cuts himself, gets a bit of blood in the wheatgrass, and that makes his little engine work. So the first step is to drain the blood out of his arm, and yes, it works, but he needs more blood from somewhere. <laughs> Pretty soon he resorts to trying to kill, like, a squirrel or, 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 or a little dog, but the only weapon he's got is a ball-bearing gun, and there's this sort of, like, painful, we can't watch it, got to look away, hilarious scene in which he tries to kill a dog by shooting it over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again with a ball-bearing. <laughs> Um, okay. Ultimately, he's actually putting humans into the boot of his car to power it because um, where he buys the wheatgrass, it's from like a little wooden shack, but near to it is a woman who sells meat and she's into engines and she lets him do really dirty stuff. So to sort of keep a hold on her, he's uh, keeping his car going. This sounds like a modern day Sweeney Todd. I, I sort of. It's not, it's absolutely no revenge base. It's just like he likes the he likes the power. But what Alex Orr has done, he's taken the the, the phrase "blood for oil" and he's made it literal. <laughs> um, and and it's brilliant. It's it's um it's a bitingly acerbic and aggressive film. It's routinely in bad taste. I mean, it may honestly it makes the kick ass look like light little touch on the bottom. Uh, <laughs> and um, you know, the Daily Mail would have had a field day with it, but for the fact that nobody has ever seen it, ever, anywhere, ever. Brendan, I was going to ask you, where can people find this, or can they find it? Go to Amazon, buy yourself a copy. That sounds fantastic. I'm just seeing if it's on, um, it's not on Love Film. The scene, listen to me now, people. The scene in which the, the t- conversation turns to makeup and puppies. If, if you're not doubled up crying by the end of that scene, I don't understand your sense of humour. Well, that sounds like a jewel that we have yet to see. So if you've seen it, or if if, if you've seen any of the films that we've just recommended, uh, or if you agree or disagree, then then do let us know um, in the comments or do email mouthoff at heyyouguys.co.uk. Chaps, I believe that's it for this evening. Um, Let me uh, start by thanking you very much for your time. And um, you can obviously visit us on the web at uh, heyyouguys.co.uk or email us at the address that I just gave. Um, you can also find us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash heyyouguysblog. You can find everything Brendan does at slashfilm.com and in particular look out for his Slash Film UK columns because there's a wealth of information and I live in the UK and I look at film and write film news and there's a ton of stuff that I've never even heard of which is uh, which is just fantastic for me. So, Brendan, I'm a fan. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I, do, I am too, Brendan, although I'd, yeah, never, yeah, tell, I'd never say that publicly. How many people <laughs> listen to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure that the numbers will keep on growing. So, all right. Um, if, if you do see Kick-Ass next week and you do want to get into a conversation with us, those are a few ways that you can.
Um, so next week we're at the world premiere of Kick-Ass. We managed to get a spot on the red carpet, so we'll be interviewing the stars of the film and also all the people that um, helped to make it. So, um, yeah, check out our footage, which should be up, I believe, on Tuesday or Wednesday next week. Absolutely, and you can also find all of our Kick-Ass coverage, um, including all of the trailers, uh, our review of the film. You can find all of that at heyyouguys.co.uk. And we'll see you again next week. 